Hello, 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 everybody. You're here at episode 187 of the Hotel Marketing Podcast. Today, you got three hero hosts. You got myself, Pete DeMeo. We've got Phil Fariska sitting over there in the ether. Welcome back, everybody. And as usual, we've got Melissa, don't burn her buttons, Kavanaugh. Howdy ho. Awesome. Well, we've got a lot of stuff to talk about today, guys. It's been a, a crazy week or so in the world between stuff changing, people traveling again, nobody finding employer employment, and all kinds of crazy stuff. Apparently, they didn't listen to our last podcast, or they would have plenty of employees. So here's what, I, what I'm saying. I think we've caused this problem because <laughs> I really didn't see a ton of people talking about the employment issues in print. I've heard a lot of people you know, just talking about it in general on Clubhouse, wherever. But since we recorded that podcast and posted it, I've seen it in every place I go. The first article is a problem finding employees and interviews with people who can't find employees. So It's really just that it's like when you buy a new car, you know, then that's the only car you see on the road. It's the same. <laughs> it's called confirmation bias. There that's, you go. That's probably what it is. Well. Anyway, we want to get some, some more confirmations in our hotel emails. <laughs> I don't know what that is a transition to, but anyway, it's a transition to today's podcast. It's a Melissa episode. Lucky you lovely listeners are in for a treat. Yeah. This is, this is a good how-to podcast. I'm, I'm excited about this one. And anyone dealing with your analytics for your hotel will, will love this one as well. Yeah, I kind of think what we should start doing with the podcast is tagging them, you know, what discipline that they focus on and if it's a how-to or if it's a, a rant or, or whatnot. So so that way in, in the future, you know, hundreds of years from now, people can filter through and find the right analytics points that we all need to focus on. There you go. So, But yeah, so before we jump into that, we've got two newsaroos that are pretty awesome. Now marketing the cannot lose. Now it's time for newsaroos. Yeah, perfection. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody saw Phil's jazz hands, but I'm sure they were there. They were they were very active. So. Nice. Well, the first newsroo we have is uh, from CoStar, and it's really phenomenal. So it the headline is Hilton reports significant lift and forward bookings and occupancy. This just came out on May 5th, but more or less the Hilton CEO is really been working on, on growth. And what they've seen is in the first, I guess really April bookings for the summer are exceeding 2019 levels by 10%. So obviously no one's looking at 2020 numbers because it was a train wreck. But even when you compare it to what was pretty much a, a good year all around 2019, Hilton is crushing it, and you know, this article kind of just goes into the specifics of, of what they're seeing. And, and I can tell you, from, from our perspective, we're seeing the exact same thing where you know, people are making the bookings, people are wanting to travel, people are eager to travel. It, it always goes down to is, is when these people are visiting your property, do you have the staff and do you have the strategies to make sure they have an amazing experience? Yeah, we've been we've been seeing this, and primarily our clients are independent hotels, and follow this very same trend. Uh, when we're looking at 
you know, bookings and revenue, we're, we're up compared to 2019 for, I would say, the majority of our clients. And up a lot. Up a lot, right. And then when we look at, you know, things like Google Trends data, uh, 2019 to 2020 to 2021, obviously 2019, pretty high. 2020 completely falls off the map. And then 2021, now exceeding 2019 in terms of demand for a variety of travel-related queries. Yeah, and I think, you know, one thing to look at there is this stuff is changing minute by minute. You, you Phil, to your point, you know, looking at, at the trends and seeing what people are doing. But I think today we're going to be covering a lot of stuff from an analytics perspective of, you know, you have to be on it. You have to make sure you're seeing when your customers are traveling and making sure that you're ready for, for the boom because it's, it's definitely coming. It's already here. Yep. The future is now. It is now. So. All right. What else we got in the news or ruse? Uh, big surprise, surprise here. Uh, you can hear the sarcasm in my voice. Uh, Microsoft Ads has copied Google yet again and have announced that they're rolling their broad match modified um, match type for keywords into the phrase match. I'm not going to go into depth into this. We've already done it once on episode 177. If you want to hear about it, go to minute mark 10. We talk about it for a good 10 minutes about what this really means. Uh, for, for those of you who uh, manage PPC for your hotels, um, again, not surprised that, that Microsoft copies Google. Uh, we've seen it time and time again from uh, expanded text ads, responsive search ads. Now we're seeing it with the the, the keyword match types. Um, it's it's a good thing though because I think primarily what what all of us do is we optimize in Google and then we import those changes over to Microsoft. Um, so good news is whatever you've done in Google to uh, your remove broad match modified or, or alter your phrase match and your negative keywords carrying that over to Bing will now have this, or excuse me, Microsoft will have the same effect. I feel like, you know, it's like Google does something and then just wait a couple months and then Microsoft's going to copy. Well, it's not Pretty like much. Microsoft is going to change their name or something to keep up with Google's name changes. <laughs> oh, yeah. I forgot about oh, that. Oh, yeah, that's it right. Change from uh, AdWords to Google Ads and then... Bing to Microsoft ads. Yeah. They, yep. So, anyway, so, hey, so I have an important question though for Phil. We've seen, obviously, the Google make this switch back in February. What have you learned since February that kind of people should be doing to their campaigns to address this? So, realistically, this will not roll out until July. Uh, but what we've done to kind of mitigate some of that in, in the interim is we've left our broad match modified keywords alive and, and enabled. Um, but we've ensured that all of our all of our campaigns now have a corresponding phrase match uh, and or exact match match type of the same keyword. Uh, just so when that rolls out in July, we can pause all of our broad match modified keywords and and just kind of continue on with with phrase and exact. Um, we've also been paying as, as much attention as we can to our search terms reports. Oh, and I say as much as we can because Google's taken away a lot of our visibility into the search terms report. But staying on top of your negative keywords, uh, eliminating phrases that are unrelated to you or just unqualified searches in general. Um, yeah, that's really the way to mitigate any wasted spend that goes along with this change. But again, if you want to hear 
hear my rant about it. Uh, episode 177, the 10 minute mark. We, we go on and on about it for a bit. And it's a worthy rant. You should tune back in if you haven't listened to that one in a while. <laughs> All right. So that kind of wraps up the news of ruse. I don't think we have any stats of the week. So we can jump right into Melissa's big episode. Today, we are talking about seven. I really wanted to make it eight, but I kept it at seven. Seven analytics data points that hoteliers need to be looking at right this very second. I got your, I got your eighth right here. It's bounce rate, isn't it? <laughs> you, you, you found me out. <laughs> yes. Jump on that bounce rate right now. <laughs> oh, boy. So, you know... Because everything is changing so rapidly, if you're not looking at your analytics data on a very regular basis, if you're waiting for the end of the month or two weeks into the next month to look at your previous month's data, you are missing out on things you can be acting upon from an operational standpoint, let alone a marketing standpoint, immediately because things do literally change every day with the way consumers are behaving right now. Things are bananas and the most technical term. Well, and I would also say that it's not, yes, you know, you need to have the in-depth analysis and that typically comes, you know, a week or so after the, the end of a month where, you know, your analytics team and in our case, Melissa and her team can really dig into the data, but you can also take a look at it more, you know, on an ongoing basis and, and look for those little trends that pop out because like Melissa said, if you wait to two weeks later at the end of the month and something happened at the beginning of the month, you're so far behind the curve that it's not even actionable yet. But just like going in and just saying, okay, this, this, and this are some really cool things. But then using that to actually change your marketing because we're seeing that customers are getting ready for summer, they're booking quickly, and, and you got to be there ready for them and, and adapt so quickly. Good point, Pete. Uh, we we love when we get those little tidbits of information from the analytics team, um, saying, "Hey, we're we're noticing X Y Z happening in our data. What can you do to to capitalize on this now?" Um, that allows the you know, marketing side of the house to act quickly, capitalize on on what we're seeing. Uh, we'll get into some of that a little later, but um, being nimble is critical, especially in a time like this when we're seeing such a boom in travel. So we've got seven little tidbits, and I've broken them out into basically two sections. One section being things that you're going to get out of your booking engine data, and then a couple of things that just come straight up out of any analytics software that you're using that's pretty basic but important nonetheless. Are we ready for number Okay. So this is from your booking engine data. And before I get into the first tip, if you are not tracking this information in your booking engine, get on that. If your booking engine isn't capable of tracking this information, it's time to get a new booking engine. And I will give a shout out to three booking engines that will let you track this very easily. One happens to be the fuel booking engine, but you know that goes without saying. But also a uh, shout out to Synexus and TravelClick they make this tracking very easy as well. So if you're looking, if you're using any of those engines, you have the capability of tracking these things. Okay. So, hey, hey, before you start that. Yeah. 
you have the capability of tracking these things. Are they already set up to be tracking or do you need to be reaching out to your booking engine provider now and making sure that data is there? Because you can't always go back and get data afterward. The data isn't going to magically appear. The, uh, the way these booking engines are set up is that the data is passing into the Google Tag Manager data layer and it would be up to you or I guess you could ask the booking engine company or somebody on your team who is a Google Tag Manager person to then capture the data to pass into Google Analytics. But it, the, the capability is very already there. The data is just sitting there waiting to be captured basically. But it has to be set up and then it has to be um, configured in your Google Analytics as well. So, so, so step one is to pause this podcast, pull off to the side of the road, make sure <laughs> that's done, and then hit play again, right? Yes. Do Got all it. those things. All right. All right. Number one is looking at the search data for arrival dates. So this is exactly what people, not what they're booking, but what they're searching for in your, wherever your search query is, whether it's, you know, a widget on your homepage, whether it's something in the header, whether it's within the booking engine itself, any place that somebody can click book now and are entering dates, you should be tracking what is in that query. So the search arrival date, this is the most granular piece of consumer data basically available to you at this point. But it's also in these very crazy times, it is the most actionable data point that you have because this is showing you basically in real time exactly when people are looking to arrive at your property. So looking at this data is going to be able to help you yield your rates, yield your inventory, you know, get your house key, all those things, everything that you have to do operationally in order and you understand what the demand is. And again, this is truly shifting every day. So it's critical to be looking at this on a regular basis. And, and, that's, and that's the point right there, because if someone is searching for mid-month at the beginning of the month and you don't get your reports till the beginning of the following month, there was a great opportunity that you just missed completely and that data becomes inactionable. And, and we know that search doesn't always mean booked, right? So if we know there's a lot of searches happening on your website for a particular date range, um, you can take that information and and go to something like Expedia Travel Ads and you know, bid up for that specific date range to make sure that, you know, you're showing and getting that booking there. You can do similar things with Google hotel ads with, uh, you know, bidding up, uh, increasing bids for a particular date range or booking window, um, just to make sure that you are the one getting the direct booking in those cases. Can I'm going to put in a little development suggestion here on your website. If someone comes to your property, and they put in arrival and departure dates. Try to cookie that if you can for that user so when they come back to your site, they don't have to start over again. I've been in the process of planning this family vacation and Airbnb drives me nuts. Everything that they do is phenomenal except for the fact that when you go to the property, you do a search. I wasn't even changing the dates for my stay because I assumed that they updated that because I was on my, I was logged in and on that wish list. But no, they kept showing me dates for arriving the next day. Even though during my whole process and my whole journey of planning that trip, 
I was looking at the end of June and it would drive me nuts. So take a few minutes and, and cook your arrival date so you make your customers a little bit happier. That does seem like an annoying experience. You know what else is annoying, Pete? What's that? Is that we neglected to tell our listeners where they can follow along. With oh, this no, I'm new. <laughs> <laughs> Carter, if you hey. would like to follow along, go to fueltravel.com slash podcast and click on episode, what episode is this, Pete? This is actually 187. Click on episode 187, and in there, one, there are the abbreviated show notes, but there is a link to the full blog post article with all the pretty pictures and all the things, and you can follow along. You know, not while you're driving. Don't recommend while you're driving, but, you know, when you get to wherever you got to go. The the how-to screenshots are where it's at, Melissa. Well done. Thanks. All right. And I'm the worst host. I'm sorry, everybody. I'll get better. (laughs) We're a work in progress. We'll get there. It's fine. All right. Moving on to number... So in conjunction with your search data, of course, you would like to look at your actual booked data. So looking at what arrival dates were actually booked. This is pretty straightforward here. You know, how many bookings did you get for X arrival date? But the thing about this is that, I mean, you know, you can get this information out of your PMS or wherever else you get data. But the thing about getting it out of your analytics system is now you can couple this information with the search data and you could actually get a conversion rate by date and of what people are doing. How cool is that? I'm getting busy here. That's awesome. Also do things like marrying it with the length of stay so that you could see that by arrival date. So if people are checking in on uh, this X date, you know, are people looking to stay two, three, four, one nights? How many nights are people looking to stay when they check in on this date? There you go. Good things. All right. And in the full blog post, you can see screenshots of what these custom reports would look like in Google Analytics. So just follow along there. All right, moving on to number Related, but not quite the same as the past two. We're looking at the searched booking window. So this isn't something that you necessarily need to look at every single day, but probably week by week, and you could trend this over time. So now you're grouping things by how far out. So not the actual arrival date, but how far out in general are people looking to come. Again, this is search data, not book data. Um, So again, it's important over time, you can see how this is trending. Are people suddenly booking further out? Are they suddenly booking closer in? What's going on there? You can see all that if you are tracking the quote unquote booking window in your Google Analytics, which again is available in those three booking engines that I've already spoken about. And coupled with that is number four, 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 four. That is the actual booking window that was booked. That is hard to say, like the booked booking window. I, I don't know what to call that, but you get the idea. Um, you, have to, you, again, have to, you have to pluralize it. It's the bookie, bookie window. Book eye? Book eye? Yeah, I don't know. I think <laughs> making up words. Um, again, you could couple this with the search booking window to get that, you know, conversion rate, et cetera, et cetera. So same concept here with search 
versus booked in terms of a booking window. But kind of important to see over time where that's going. I would say you could compare it year over year, but you know, maybe sometime in the future, if things ever quote unquote become normal again, you, you can do that as well. But for right now, it's just seeing the trend, you know, from week to week to see what's going on in your world. Okay, moving on, cruising through these to number five, 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 five. Number five is the length of stay. This could be something uh, that's sort of, it should be built into your analytics, depending on how your booking engine does this. Theoretically, your length of stay is normally shown as the quantity in, uh, in a Google Analytics report. But in order to kind of capture that and trend it and compare it and break it down, you actually do want it in one of these custom reports uh, so you can see that over time and again looking to see how long people are looking to stay and then what they actually booked you can see all that stuff it will help you build your packages yield your rates you could then incentivize you know midweek arrivals all, all that kind of stuff to either shorten or lengthen what you're hoping your consumer what you want your consumer to do I really like this one, and I, th I think it's one of the, the more important ones that I don't know that people are looking at in advance. I think it's obviously it's incredibly important from an operations perspective, but everybody, if, if this is from a vacation perspective, if you're more transient and just a, a business property, it's a little bit different, but everybody wants to be on vacation a little bit longer. So look at what that average length of stay is and make sure you're crafting your offers and your packages to keep pushing that time up. You know, if someone's, their average length of stay is five days, see what you can do to get that one extra night. I mean, not only are you going to obviously have another night of, of revenue, but you're also going to help offset when your housekeeping is needed and address all those employment concerns that, that we all have now. And, and like I mentioned earlier, from the marketing side, this type of data is, is so valuable. Um, in, in terms of, you know, what are you going to do on your website to do things like Pete's talking about, promote it, to get people to stay longer. You can, you know, run ads during certain times, like if you understand booking windows um, or length of stay, you can, you can start to uh, just manipulate your ad copy or ma manipulate when your ads run um, using your budget to the fullest. Uh, when you have this data to look at, it can it can make your make your marketing decisions that much more targeted and precise. Yeah, and I'd also say that when when you combine all these together, the the arrival date, especially the searched arrival dates and searched booking windows, making sure that data is all feeding into your CRM so that you can retarget those people with the right message. Obviously, you want to record that data you want to look at that data, but if that data is not feeding to the rest of your marketing tools, you're, you're missing an opportunity there as well. Uh, a good example is Flip2's discovery platform does a really good job of triggering those emails if somebody looks for a property, looks for a date and doesn't travel. Getting them back in that process is, is so, so important. And just con consider that as you're going through this data, make sure you're looking at it from a 360 perspective. Good point, Pete. All right, so those are my top five. There are plenty of other data points that you might want to capture, and I'm going to say this time and time again, more doesn't mean better. 
but there are other things depending on how useful they are to you and if you're actually going to make business decisions on them that you might want to capture. And those would be things like the actual day of weeks so or people looking to arrive on Friday, on Saturday, on Sunday, et cetera. Um, and also departure information because that could be important to you as well. Um, you could capture the number of adults that were searched and or booked, number of children that were searched and or booked, and you know it goes on and on. But don't capture it just for the sake of capturing it. And I'm going to get into this data collection conundrum in a minute. But if you really, if it's important and you're going to act on it, then yes, by all means, figure out what you need to do to get that into your analytics. And your CRM. And that, and your CRM. <laughs> all right. So before I jump into the standard analytics stuff, I do want to talk about how to collect this custom data into Google Analytics for just a couple of minutes before we move on. So as I said, if you have a booking engine that is worth anything, you should be able to collect this information. Um, in terms of the booking data, so not the search data, but the booking data, I 100% recommend that that data goes into what is called a custom dimension in Google Analytics. And you would set up one custom dimension for each one of these aspects that you wanted to track. So you have a custom dimension for arrival date. You would have a custom dimension for booking window. You would have a custom dimension for number of children or whatever the case might be. Caveat and important. The free version of Google Analytics has just 20 custom dimensions available. So this is why it's absolutely critical that you think this whole process through before you just start tracking everything and anything under the sun in a custom dimension. Very, 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 very important to realize that. So which is why I'm going to say that in your search data, this can be more of a personal preference and depending on how many of these custom dimensions you've used up on your booking data, you could collect the search data in just a standard Google Analytics event instead of a custom dimension. Personally, I prefer the custom dimension, but again, it, this is really going to depend on your situation. The pros of collecting it in an event is that you don't have to do anything sort of quote unquote custom to see that information. It's already, you just click on your events report and there it is. But on the negative side, if you, um, if you do it in an event, if you're using tag manager, you have to set up a separate tag for each one of those things you need to track in an event. So it's more time consuming. It's a little easier to read. There's no custom thing to set up, but read all the things in the full blog post. Just, I'm putting all the caveats out there. All right. Oh, and last and not least, sorry. If you are using these custom dimensions, you'll need to build custom reports because heaven forbid Google Analytics do anything for you. You have to build a custom report to see the custom dimension data in Google Analytics. So there's that. All right. So so once I use my 20 custom dimensions up, can I delete those and create new ones? And what happens? You can, you can't quote unquote delete them, 
you can change them, which means now you're going to have different pieces of data in the same dimension. So if today your dimension is tracking booking window and tomorrow it's tracking arrival date, if your time frame overlaps today and tomorrow, you've got mixed data in there. Well, that really sounds like uh, if you're making that change, you better annotate it. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it yes. sounds like what you're saying is we might want to plan out how we use our 20 custom dimensions. That is exactly what I'm saying. <laughs> 20 goes by really quickly, trust me. And, you know, you may be tracking other things already in a custom dimension. Like, for example, if you could track if people are logged in or logged out of your site, that could be a custom dimension. You may have all kinds of things already in there. So just be aware that there's only 20. Use them wisely. Yeah, and, and I would also say with custom dimensions or really any tracking thing, that should not come out as a knee-jerk reaction to discussions in a meeting, which we've done in the past, and it's always been a nightmare where, hey, let's track this and this and this and this, and then you find out you have so much data that you can't even filter down to what's actually relevant for decision-making. Yes, exactly. So don't do that. Don't do that. All right, so outside of the custom stuff... We're now going to move on to more standard analytics stuff that you can easily find and hopefully you're already familiar with. So we're moving on to number six, 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 six. Landing pages. What? Why on earth do you think landing pages would be important to look at in these crazy times? The answer is that you may find some little pieces of information that you just weren't aware of before because either things didn't happen like they are happening now, or consumer behavior has just really changed. So for example, lately, I would say in the last two to three months, we have been seeing a ton of clients getting organic search entries to pages like their hotel policies or the FAQ pages or some random, you know, COVID specific information page way more than we have ever before. And the crazy part is, is that they're converting. So people are entering on, you know, an FAQ page and converting to a booking. And this, and this flies in the face of how many, right? When someone lands on one of these pages, you have not optimized these pages to convert, yet they're doing it anyway. And people are visiting them at a higher and higher rate. So you need to look at it. Are is this one of your top landing pages right now? Is your is your COVID information one of your top landing pages? Are your FAQs one of your top landing pages? If so, what can you do to increase the conversion rate of that page? Um, simple things like adding a booking widget to that page, adding a book now button to that page that gets someone to the next piece of the funnel quicker, easier. Uh, these are these are the type of things you need to look at. We did an entire podcast on improving your conversion rate where we talked all about a lot of the things that you can do on your website to improve conversion rate. But looking at these landing pages is so critical. Uh, I can't tell you how many times we've you know written a blog post where it was fantastic and it ranks very, very well and drives a ton of traffic. But, you know, forgot something like a simple call to action or just a simple button where when we add that the conversion rate of that page increases significantly we start to see a lot more bookings come through uh, on something that we never really 
thought was going to be so impactful. And it, and it really ended up being, you know, one of the biggest drivers of bookings. For instance, wrote a blog post for a client about um, honeymoon packages in their area. Um, so when people search honeymoon packages, city name, it that blog post shows up and people visit it a ton, a ton. And then we were just like, oh, well, let's throw a call to action, bring them into that you know, that special right there, allow them to choose their dates and and they can book basically right from the post. And my goodness, you know, we, we've seen conversion rates go through the roof and, and a lot of people booking that package. Well, it's not just on landing pages either. I mean, you always want to look for where you have those potential dead ends for a guest. You never want a guest having to hit the back button because that means they could not find any other path down that conversion funnel than going back and starting over again. So, even if it's not a landing page, those FAQ pages, those articles, whatever it might be, make sure as when you get to the bottom of that article or FAQ, it's it's a natural process to go right into that process, that booking conversion, because you never know where they're entering the site from. Because a lot of times, you know, you may write an article. I mean, we were talking about today on a call, Melissa, where it was the 2019 top whatevers that became a key page for the site. Yes. You know, two years later. So you always want to think about it. It doesn't matter when it was written. You always want to make sure that is just as effective at converting a visitor as something that you're posting today. Exactly. All right. Moving on to last but not least, number seven, 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 seven. Lucky number seven is looking at your data by the city of your visitor because again things have changed so much now more than ever drink sorry <laughs> people are in various states of quarantine depending on where they live and lockdown and all that stuff you just day by day you have no idea you know xyz city is now back in phase y it's you know it's just literally changing all the time and you may have gotten traffic from cities that you've never had traffic from before so it's important to really keep an eye on who is looking at your site and who is actually booking and if this doesn't help you spend your targeted marketing dollars in a more effective way i don't know what will this this first occurred to me um Back when the BP, BP oil spill happened and no one wanted to travel to the Gulf and it was, it, we saw a flood of traffic for people who would typically travel there, they came to Myrtle Beach instead. And that was primarily the market I was focusing on at the time and it was like, oh my goodness, we're seeing all these states, all this traffic coming from these states that we never really had before why don't we change our paid marketing dollars to now uh, you know, focus on these states as well or add more marketing dollars to focus on these states where, where all of these people were coming from. I mean, it was, it was a boom. It was super successful. Um, so this is very applicable today, like Melissa said, because of various quarantine statuses. But this can also be applicable for, for other events that happen in the world that you, you may or may not be thinking of. You know, As we return to somewhat normalcy, con consider these things. Even, even if, say, say your area starts to offer a new 
concert or a new event that they never have before. Um, staying on top of those things, seeing where the new traffic comes from, people interested in, in said event. Um, you can you can pay attention to your analytics data, see where people are searching from, and then turn around and spend your marketing dollars in those areas to make sure you capture that guest rather than your competitor. I would expand on that as well. Kind of going back, because I forgot about the Gulf oil spill, but the big controversy for a lot of people at the time was, you know, do I bid competitively on golf based terms? Because they can't go to the beach, you know, so do, does Orlando bid on, you know, Gulf Shores vacations? Does Myrtle Beach bid on, you know, Alabama Beach vacations and things like that? So as we move forward, keep an eye on that. And, and when you see issues pop up, just understand that the market's always changing. And if, if you're very nimble, you can capture customers that you never thought were actually in your market segment. All right. So those are the seven tips. And you might think that we're going to just let you go now. But no, there's more. Appendix A, 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 A. Oh, oh I'm sorry. What is this? I'm not going to just leave you with like these things and not tell you what to do with them. I wouldn't do that. But Melissa, what do we do with all these things? Because now, you know, you've got this data. Let's assume you've got this data in Google Analytics or Adobe Analytics or wherever you're going to have it. But to be honest, it's not the easiest thing to actually analyze or manipulate the data within these systems. You've got to export it and do something with it to actually get any insight for real, right? So I've got some uh, possible reporting techniques for you because that's the kind of person I am. All right. So reporting technique number one. one, 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 one. <laughs> I'm not doing it anymore. No, you got me for seven. I'm not doing it anymore. Uh, is literally to just click on the good old export data button in your analytics system and dump it into a spreadsheet. That I mean, there's that. And turn it into a pivot table. Sure. That's the most basic thing you can possibly do. But if this is something you're doing either on a daily or weekly basis, uh, and this goes for anything in life, Try and figure out how to automate more of that than just literally logging into your analytics system, running the report, changing the date, clicking on the export button, having to format all the data. Please, we're not doing that. Okay, we're moving on to number two, which is the next best thing, which would be to set up an automated email in your analytics system to send you all the reports that you want to see on a daily or weekly basis. That's one less step you need to do, then they're all in your inbox. You just open them all, and there you have it. And look at yeah. them. Oh, go ahead. Oh, Sorry. No, so, and look at them. <laughs> yeah. You know, what I found is when you do this, you, you run into the trap of it becoming a important, non-urgent email, and it never gets paid attention to for weeks and weeks. So once you get these emails set up from Google Analytics, actually look at them. I'm going to throw it out there. You should do that. That's a brilliant idea, Pete. I'm glad you brought that up. <laughs> no problem. The caveat to these automated things, at least in Google Analytics, is that if you set this up for a quote-unquote daily report, then the report literally includes just the previous day of data. If you set it up for a weekly report, it includes the previous week's data. There's really not a whole lot of customization you can do in terms of setting those date ranges. So, 
that's what I have to say about those automated emails. But it's certainly better than having to do everything I just said in step one. All right, option number three is the next best thing, which is to build basically a spreadsheet template, which could have all of your formulas set up. And if you're using pivot tables or anything like that, you would just literally copy and paste your data from your automated emails or whatever it is that you're using into this template. So at least you're not having to recreate all these formulas and all that stuff every day or every week. So that's option three. Option number four is to use a tool like Supermetrics, I'm throwing it out there, which is basically a data aggregator. Uh, Supermetrics does have a free version, but chances are with what you're going to use it for, it's not going to be free. So I'm just throwing that out there, but it will allow you to automatically import your or export your data from Google Analytics into either a Google Sheet or an Excel spreadsheet, depending on your license, with all these queries. So once you set up exactly what it is you want to see on a daily, weekly, monthly, whatever frequency you choose basis, it will just magically make your data appear when it wants to work. It's great. Melissa, um, <laughs> these sound like they're getting progressively better and easier to use. I'm trying here. I'm trying, but it really depends on your your experience, your time, and money, honestly. Um, so there's that. The last one is for you data buffs, and if you're feeling really frisky and you've got some time on your hands and you want to delve into the world of Google Data Studio, the tool is free. It is a free data visualization tool, and if you're only pulling uh, data from Google products into it, there is no cost. So for this purpose only, there is zero cost. Uh, the beauty about Google Data Studio is that if you set it up correctly, you can basically update it in real time. So you set up all your little uh, data queries the way you want them once, you reload the report and it's updating on the fly and you can change the date range of whatever it is that you're looking at also on the fly. So it's pretty awesome. If you haven't played with this tool, there is a bit of a learning curve. I'm not going to lie to you, but if, if you're really looking to act on your data and you're looking at this on a daily basis, the time saved versus exporting all these reports every day and, and recreating formulas and all that stuff, this will pay off very quickly if yeah. you get it set up once. If you if you know exactly what you want to see and how you want to see it, you can build it in Data Studio. And exactly the way that makes most sense to you, is most most actionable to you, this is, this is the way that I would recommend. Yeah, Melissa said it's going to be a little time consuming, probably a learning curve for you, but very worth it. Yeah, and the one thing that goes with that is if you're just spending the time thinking about your data, trying Data Studio out or whatever platform that you want to use, it's it's going to lead you in that right direction because especially with Data Studio, it gives you that real-time feedback which hopefully you're turning and using in your marketing efforts. There you have it. And, and I, I would I would just put another little Melissa, caveat on it. If you're using the Data Studio, you can share that so easily with everybody who needs to see the data and needs to play with date ranges. And you don't have to recreate spreadsheets or recreate reports or you know change queries or anything with it. You just 
here's the link to the report. Go do what you need to do with it. You know, team X, Y, Z of the hotel. I, that's why I love it so much. And, and I recommend that to, to anybody who's willing to put the time into to create them. And I will say this, I should probably add this to the blog post. Of course, all of this data is great in lump sum. I mean, it gives you definitely that overview. But if you really want to really do a great job, you're going to want to break this stuff down. You're going to want to segment it. So, you know, how is your paid traffic behaving versus your organic? What's happening with your social traffic? Like all this stuff can be layered one on top of the other. So, just throwing that out there. You can you can set those you can set that up in Data Studio as well though, right? Yes. I mean, you can pretty much just copy it and say, all right, just show me all channels, show me organic channels, show me paid channels, and you know, just kind of have tabs of that report essentially. Right. So what I would say is, from an operate making decisions for operations, looking at all of this in bulk is clearly the way to go. But in terms of making marketing decisions, you're going to want to look at this at a little more granular level, looking at all these things basically by traffic type. There you go. Amen. I've said my piece. That's a wrap. That's a whole bunch of information and facts for everybody to digest. Melissa, that was that was awesome. And I know those of you who are just listening to it are probably a little overwhelmed right now. But I highly recommend you go visit uh, the website, check out Melissa's blog post on this. She has some great breakdowns of, of the how-tos and where you should be looking and, and really what you need to do. I mean, these this data is it's invaluable to you as a hotel. Looking at it and looking at it correctly is, is going to drive your marketing decisions uh, moving forward. So take this. And, and store it away and, and definitely use all of this awesome information. Yeah. And if you need help, we're here. We're here. Yeah. Hit us up at info at fuel travel anytime and we'll respond to you specifically and answer your questions. But I, I think in general, if you just get in there and look at the data and drill down to it, it's going to spur all of those questions that in, in some cases lead to dead ends but a lot of time lead to opportunity that your competitors aren't taking advantage of yet. And being able to be that first mover and get that first mover advantage is so important, especially when we look at how fast consumers are going from shopping to booking to vacationing and hopefully leaving a review and starting that process all over again. All right, so that was a whole bunch of information. Hopefully it was useful. I think it was super useful. So, it's useful, so go use it. Yes, yes. So, so go use it, and if, if you want, after you use it, go and leave us a re- review on Google or iTunes and let us know how effective it was. But if you want to follow more along, make sure check out episode 187. Check out the show notes there at fueltravel.com. Definitely check out Melissa's article, which is at the, called the 7 Analytics Data Points Hotels Need to Look at Right Now. And if they want to find even more, Melissa, where can they find you at? You can find me on LinkedIn or on Clubhouse at Melissa Cavanaugh, K-A-V-A-N. Uh, did I spell my name right? K-A-V-A-N-A-G-H is how I would spell my name. <laughs> You've done too much talking today, Melissa. Wow. It was a Melissa episode. Hey, how about Phil? Where can they find you? Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn. Uh I'll participate in some more clubhouses, but mostly LinkedIn. 
at Phil Fariska, F-O-R-I-S-K-A. Awesome. You can find me at Pete DeMeo on both Clubhouse and LinkedIn. You can find us all at fueltravel.com or info at fueltravel.com. But yeah, so that's the, the Hotel Marketing Podcast. Uh, hopefully you've been enjoying it. And if you have any feedback, you need to leave us a review. And that's all I have for you. Peace out. Ooh, peace out's better. Goodbye. Run away.